Mojo. Ah, yes, here it is. Got your mojo working. Pizzazz, oomph, zest, passion, energy, vibe. ACDC, the Mojo Radio Show. Hey, that can't be right. I got my mojo working. But it just won't work on We live in a world of too much. Too much to do, too much information, too much insecurity. And just in the time it's taken you to download the Mojo Radio Show, 200 million emails have been sent. In just the last 60 seconds, three days worth of content has been uploaded to YouTube. The simple fact is that too much is here to stay and it's getting worse in our lives every year. There's an inevitable increase in our overload and it's going to keep increasing. Year on year, we're going to receive more electronic communication. You're going to get more emails. You're going to be exposed to more information. You're going to be expected to do more and more at work. People are going to expect more of you. You'll receive even more emails next year. None of us is going to turn back the technology clock. However, this show is not about more. It's about better. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. And that's what we're all about here is just helping you be better. More stuff to add into life or more things to do. It's about subtraction. It's about taking out the crap and getting down to the stuff that really matters to help you be better, to feel good, to, to feel as though you got your mojo working in and out of the workplace. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for hitting the download button. We've got a great show lined up. Before we start, let's say good day to the guy behind the panel. Robbo, how's it going, buddy? Good, mate. How are you? That was a very uh, deep start to the show this week. Well, it was, <laughs> but um, I did a speaking job in Sydney this week, and I was mm. heading back on the train, and I downloaded a book called Busy, Right. How to Thrive in a World Too Much. Right. Hang, so hang on, should I play this then? The Mojo Pages. Yeah, yeah that's that's good actually. And it's called it's called Busy it's by a guy called Tony Crabb, C-R-A-B-B-E. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes for those who want to click through to it. But mm. it's a book that someone suggested to me because I was on this narrative about how do we simplify and how do we minimalize and how do we get the most out of our lives? And I've got to say, I'm only a couple of chapters into it, but I'm really enjoying it. But I highlighted... So I'm reading it on on, a, on my iPad. Mm. I highlighted the first couple of paragraphs, which was the stuff I read to you, because uh, mm. it really resonated. Because it's not really about more; it's about better, isn't it? Yeah, you, and you know, but you know how you highlighted it. You can't use fluoro pen on your iPad, mate. You no, understand use, that, right? If you, if you use a bit of metho, <laughs> it, uh, it, just, it, it comes right off, folks. <laughs> I, I roll old school, mate. Metho yeah, on right. glass. <laughs> it's a trick that mum told me when I was about 10. <laughs> she was cleaning the, the, the ink and paint off the windows at home in our place in Innisfail in North Queensland. Nice. How's your, how's your week been, mate? Oh, it's been a nightmare, mate, to be honest with you. Deadlines, dead hard drives. You know, people wanting everything right now. You know, kids who, you know, want to drag you one way, clients who want to drag you the other, you know, the Sorry usual. you a bit grumpy, mate. <laughs> Is that You're my perch grumpy. for the week? Are you a bit grumpy? <laughs> yeah, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> well, here's a little segue that uh, mm. is 
quite fortuitous. Right. <laughs> but I found, I found a story on Yahoo Live uh-huh. that said that sound engineers are yes. declared the grumpiest profession oh, in the world. Of course we are. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a keynote speaker and his name was Stephen yeah. Jobless, which <laughs> parents must have had a good sense of humour. They're Apple, they're Apple uh, advocates. Yes. He said, you guys have hit a new plane in grumpiness right. and you lead the way. Right. Look, to be to be fair on reflection, um, back in our Triple M days, uh, you would be aware of uh, Mr. Fox without I, naming any names. Speaking of grumpy, <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember the door that used the, the, the <laughs> sign that used to be on the door to his studio? Don't even effing bother knocking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, this guy Stephen Jobless in his keynote said that you guys should be a member of the Seven Dwarfs. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to get this Mr. Jobless's email address and have a word to him. Yeah. Some, there is, it's a very, very, in fact, I'll post this story on the uh, on the show notes yeah. and on Facebook because there are some very, very funny things in there that I can't uh, I can't say <laughs> online for I our family viewers. Yeah, um, okay. Well, you know what? I'm going out there now. I'm going to dig up some dirt on corporate speakers. <laughs> but other notable extracts from the summit are mm. Barman, are declared the drunkest profession of the world. <laughs> Bankers, the most likely profession to steal from us. Uh, yes, true. And politicians, get this, politicians and senior management civil servants, the most likely profession to be aliens or lizard people. <laughs> well, you could almost, but you could, partly you could also say that politicians might also fall into the most likely to steal from us as well, yeah, really, Yeah, more likely. The There's an argument. That's, yes. uh, that's a good story, isn't it? That's great. Hey, um, Let's put a smile on my face. Um, this and this will probably help to uh, chill you grumpy guys out. Mm. Gary's Google Mojo. Um, do you know Russell Simmons? Do you remember that? Do you know the name Russell Simmons? Oh, Mr. Exercise Guru. Come on, girls. Kick your legs. <gasps> the roof. The roof. The roof. <laughs> the roof is on fire. <laughs> no, no. That is Richard Simmons. I'm yes. talking Russell Simmons, who's the uh, deaf jam, deaf comedy, uh, deaf yeah, jam yeah. comedy producer. This guy's a bit of a bit of a legend yep. in the. Um, music scene and mm. uh he has done an app which wow. is really cool and i've downloaded it and i've had a listen to it and i must say i really really like this because you know we've talked in the show before about meditation is probably the one common attribute that all successful ceos and business leaders and people got their mojo working it just seems to be a big drive right now that it's working for people and we've mm. talked about well how do you do it and what are the tips well He's done an app, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes um, because it's free. It's called Russell Simmons Meditation Made Simple. It is the go-to. It's very, very good. Yeah, it's something I've been meaning to do for a long while. Well, that's why I thought it was, it was good, you know, for you grumpy folk because um, <laughs> he's got a 10-minute and a 20-minute. He talks you through it. Yeah. And uh, typically this guy, he just takes stuff and just just, he just finds a way to make it cool and accessible for people. And yeah. I think this is worth worth checking out. So I'm going to put a link to it. I encourage people to at least put it on your, your tablet, have a listen to it on the bus, the train, going to sleep at night. Hmm. He's also got a, a particular cool little piece of music called Vibration. It's actually on the music. It's just a sound effect that you can play if you just want to chill out for a couple of minutes, you know, before a meeting or a presentation mm. or when mm. you need time out from the kids. It's, it's uh, Made it's by good. some grumpy sound designer, no doubt. Yeah. Russell, Russell's, <laughs> yeah. Russell Simmons, med- Meditation Made Simple. I found it on iTunes. So there you go. Okay. Nice one. Have a listen. That's, uh, that's two segments for you this week, Mr. Burt Whistle. That's the book and the Gary's Net. 
Yeah, I've been busy, mate. Yeah. Go for, go you. Try, I'm, I'm just trying to I'm trying to hold the show together, mate. I'm just trying to do <laughs> Hang on, I'm uh, the gaffer tape. Yeah. Should we get into it? <laughs> Let's go. Help us get the Mojo Radio Show on the iTunes WhatsApp list. Hit up the Mojo Radio Show and leave a comment now. Oh, and please You are such a disappointing pair. Be gentle with us. So uh two episodes about brains. I'm feeling very stupid lately. <laughs> <laughs> well, this um, this week's guest is a really interesting one. I have uh, done a number of speaking gigs with Jackie Fury, um, who was a psychoanalyst. I don't think we've had a psychoanalyst on the program. Would I be correct in saying that? I think you'd be pretty close to correct in saying that. Absolutely. Mm. So Jackie uh, runs a business called Bedrooms to Boardrooms and Jackie is one of Australia's leading university trained psychotherapists. And what I like about Jackie is her no crap approach to helping us have a great relationship with ourselves and with others. It's all about life, love, work. Um, and being a psychotherapist and someone who lives in the real world, Jackie's got this beautiful blend of how to bring stuff together. So I think we're in for a real treat today. Um, Jackie Fury, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you for having me on. So good to talk to you, Jackie. Um, now, in the introduction, I talked about you being a psychotherapist and the director of Bedrooms to Boardrooms. So there's a lot for us to cover today, but I want to start from the top because psychotherapist is quite a big word. What What is a psychotherapist or what type of work would you typically be doing in your day-to-day? Well, look, psychotherapy is really about care of the soul. I mean, it, it comes from a Greek meaning of psyche and soul. Um, for me, my work is very much about helping people to connect their head to their heart and make more sense of their world. It's very deep. No, I think it's, <laughs> it's such a great topic because yeah. we'll delve into it um, in our Mojo radio show style, which won't be too deep. But, um, <laughs> Jackie, who, who are the sorts of people who are coming in that you'd be spending time with each day trying to connect their head to their heart? That's such an interesting sort of job, I guess, isn't it? I think it is. And really, the people I see come from all walks of life. Because of my own background and how, how I was influenced in my own childhood about being of service to others, um, I do a, a fair bit of pro bono work and um, where I'm working with people who um, may be um, quite ordinary in, in, in their field to people who are outstanding in their field. But I always look for the similarities, Gary, and what mm-hmm. I see is that ultimately people want to, to have a sense of purpose and to be at peace. They, they don't necessarily want to be chilled out all the time, but they want to be at peace with themselves and their world. So what, what's the most common situation people are coming to you with? Well, look, I, I, think, it, I think it varies. But one, one of the things that I'm noticing more and more, especially in the last, you know, say, five years, is that our world's become much more intense and much more negatively intense. And what I find happening is that today, like I say to people, in our fast, at times fierce, ever-changing and often very challenging world, you know, we're required to be more, for more, do more, for more than ever before and with a lot less available to us. So when you think about that, that that creates pressure. And my love for psychotherapy, understanding people and and what might make them tick, what is it that is unique to them in how they see the world. But one thing that, again, I look at the similarities, Gary, is that under pressure and stress, we forget the last thing we learned and we go back to the first thing we were taught. 
And so our family of origin, our childhood patterns, the decisions we make at an early age play such a big, big part in how we handle today, here and now. So, for example, I may have someone come to me who's in a senior leadership position and um, one guy, you know, about a year ago said to me, he said, you know, I'm in the boardroom meeting. He said, I got back from Harvard a few weeks ago. He said, I did the... Um, an advanced leadership course, he said, and I excelled. He said, I'm in this boardroom meeting and all I'm thinking is, and I'll make up a name here, I'd like to headbutt Joe. I'd just like to knock him out. <laughs> and he said, like... I've been in meetings like I'm, that. Sounds, sounds like our studio. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a normal mojo show. <laughs> exactly. And he said, he's, I thought there's something really wrong with me. And he said, what's wrong with me? And I said, I don't think there's anything really wrong with you. I think you all, your consciousness is such that you are getting very powerful feedback, which is great because you haven't knocked Joe out, have you? He said, no. I said, so it's not happening unconsciously where all of a sudden you're sitting here saying, I don't know what happened. Mm. Because a lot of my clients come and say, I don't know what happened, but they have knocked Joe out in the boardroom meeting. And, and you know, if you look at the word upset, change it around, it's set up. And quite often, when, when we're not listening to ourselves and we're not taking feedback from ourselves, unconsciously, we will create an upset, which is a setup, and then we'll be sitting in front of someone, and hopefully it's me and not a magistrate or a judge mm. or, or your boss saying, I'm really not sure how I got here. You see, the difference is I am really sure how you got there. And if you can learn how to connect your head to your heart, you're less likely to go where you don't want to be. So there's a couple of things that come to mind here, Jackie. There's that gag about Freud, you know, going to see a psychologist or a psychoanalyst, psychotherapist, and saying, you know, lie down and tell me about your mother, tell me about your past. So there actually is that, – that actually is valid. Are you saying that – the stuff, the values, the culture we grew up in, the surroundings are now having a bearing in a, in a boardroom now? Oh, totally. Totally. Um, but what, I, what I'm saying is that you don't need um, analysis paralysis in your life. You don't need to be looking back all the time to try and make sense of the here and now. I think you to operate well in today's world, we need confidence, competence and courage. And confidence is this is who I am. Right? And the competence is this is what I can do. And the courage is living boldly, you know, living a bold life, having a go, you know. And, um, but looking back to understand gives us confidence. Like, well, who am I? I know I'm heavily influenced by my working class Liverpool Irish, um, upbringing. Um, I know that the messages I got were all about if you're not helpful to people, what's the point of you? Now, I don't want to live by that today because that would make me the ultimate people pleaser. But I do want to know that it's important to me to be of service to people. And then how do I balance that out so that I have more balance in my life and I'm not run unconsciously by that? But you, you bet our, um, our childhood influences the here and now. And the more we're unaware of it or the more we want to make statements like, oh, look, oh, you know, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, if, if you've looked at it and, and decide, no, it's not for you with an open mind, great. Oh, you know, good. When people are, are defensive about saying, uh, looking at their, at their background and saying, oh, I don't know how that could, um, influencer here and now, I can assure you it does. And I see it time and time again from the bedroom to the boardroom. So you talk about um, acting from the best part of me, Jackie. Is that is that sort of what we're talking about here is knowing knowing what that best part is? 
Absolutely. I, I think that people ultimately want to be of service and want to help and, w- and want to um, feel that they can make a difference. But um, what, I, what I see a lot of today is that under pressure and stress, people put their energy into protection rather than into purpose. And when we put our energy into protection, again, we get triggered back into childlike behaviours where we start to go, well, this is what worked for me as a child. It should work for me now which is just unbelievable, but we do. Right down to a couple I was working with a few weeks ago, she's exceptionally bright, so bright. And they're having this um, interaction, and she said, well, maybe I don't care about your big feelings. And I said, "Um, just making up a name, I said, Mary, it's out of interest. How old do you feel at the moment? And she went, about five, <laughs> and we were also great detectives. And he said, "Well, I'm not going to have a conversation with a five-year-old." And I said, "Oh, I said, look at you, Mr. Pryor." I said, "And how did that serve you as a child?" And he said, um, "Well, he said there was a lot of chaos in my family, and I just rose above it by being an intellectual." Well, more raucous laughter, you know, amongst the three of us, which was good. Mm. But you know, you, you start to if you have an open mind and a sense of humour. We can navigate this stuff a lot more easily and we can access the best part of ourselves. People need to belong. They need to fit. They need to know that they make a difference. How do they find that, Jackie? How do they find that? For someone listening, what's, what's a quick tip or tool they could do immediately to help understand either what the best part of me is to act from and or something that's a trigger that I might have had in my childhood that actually is having a bearing on my values and behaviours now? Look, I I think the big one is our feelings. Our feelings connect our head to our heart. And what I see time and time again is if you don't do your feelings, they'll do you. And will they do you? You bet they will. Mm. And so what happens is we either explode, which is rage, it isn't anger. People are so fearful of anger, Gary, but it's not anger. When we explode, that's rage. Rage is a behaviour. Anger is a feeling. And anger is a twin of passion. If you don't have anger in your life, well, your sex life won't be much good either and you won't be having um, purpose and passion because they're really very closely aligned. They're just a powerful energy that we can tap into that helps us to bring about change and connect. So feelings are really, really important. And the big thing for me about feelings is, again, without any judgment, you know, like what messages did you get about feelings as a child? I remember once saying to my mother, I hate my brother Peter. Well, I did in my Liverpool accent, yeah. I hate my brother Peter. Look what he's doing. He's got the heads off me dolls. Right. I was really quite upset about that, as you would be. And my mother said, we don't hate anyone in this house and we don't do anger either. And I remember thinking while I was about eight, well, you're having a good go of it at the moment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you weren't allowed to point that out. But my mother years later, and especially before she passed away, we were able to have really good, honest conversations. And she said, I look back over that. And I think, why did I take it personally if you had a feeling that I didn't like? Mm-hmm. And I said, so why did you? And she said, well, I felt it made me wrong as a mother if you weren't happy all the time or if other people didn't think you were good. She said, I was so um, driven by what other people thought I should be that I couldn't have a connection with my own children the way I wanted to. And, I, and I've come to realize that hurt people hurt people. And people who have been damaged by life can create damage for others without even knowing that they're doing it. And so I would say to people, have a look at your feelings. And people sometimes say to me, I feel nothing. Well, nothing isn't a feeling. It's a behavior. Mm. We've learned to feel nothing, if that makes sense. Because underneath it, there are feelings there that we're so fearful of feeling that we think we might go crazy, um, lose it, start to cry and not stop. Um, When, you know, I've never seen that happen. 
I've seen some crazy stuff happen when we don't feel them. Mm. How do we get in touch with those feelings, Jackie? Look, it's a very good um, question. And the question I pose to people is, what stands in the way of you and being at peace with yourself? And that will get them into their feelings. Mm. Because sometimes people say, I don't know. And I say, okay, but if you did know, I'm not sure I, I do know. Can I speak to the part of you that does know? Mm. And I had a guy only six months ago, um, ex, you know, footy player, big wig in a company in the UK, tough as nails, come from the north of England. And when I said to him, can I speak to, you the, to the part of you that does know, he said, oh, Jackie, if I let that part speak to you, I'm just going to end this job, end this loveless marriage, go and find my son, tell him I'm sorry that I've been a bully all my life, and then where will I be? And I said, well, where will you be? Mm. He said, I, I don't know, and, I, and I'm scared to find out. And I said, you need to be scared about being here and not finding out. I need to help you put your fear where it needs to be. It needs to be right here in this room. You need to be fearful, healthy fear. What happens if I stay like this? Not terror, what will happen if I, if I go. And again, um, I, I think, it, it, look, I'm not trying to drum up work, right? It, it's very hard to do this stuff on your own. And uh, people often get offended when I talk about lifeline. People think lifelines for people who are, um, you know, suicidal and um, at, at the extreme end of um, not knowing what to do with their lives. And while that is the case sometimes, Lifeline is one of the most fantastic organisations that um, I, I've heard of and, be, and, and experienced in the sense that there's trained volunteers there that go through a lot of training who will sit on the end of the phone and they have been trained to listen to understand and you can pick that phone up any time regardless of whether you have money or not regardless of where you are, and you can speak to someone who's at the end of the phone because they have um, a desire to really care about who's calling in. The um, books that you can pick up and read, there are so many groups that you can attend today. There are community colleges that have courses on self-esteem, relationships. I mean, mindfulness is brilliant. You, you can't do mindfulness and not connect to your feelings. It's impossible. It's half time on The Mojo Show. And time to pause for a cause. How's it, boys? It's Aiden here. I'm a long-time listener of the Mojo Radio Show and today, first-time caller. I want to bring an important cause to you and your many listeners' attention. The poaching of black and white rhino has escalated to such levels in recent years that they are now very close to being extinct in their natural environment. This is being driven by a growing demand for the horn as a medicinal product and as a status symbol. It's got to the point that one of these magnificent creatures is being killed every eight hours. Or put another way, since last week's Mojo Radio Show, 21 rhino have been killed. Out of this, the Australian Rhinoceros Project was born, and it has one clear goal, to ensure the survival of these majestic species. The aim is to build a breeding herd of rhino in Australia as an insurance population for the world. The website is theaustralianrhinoproject.org where your listeners will find all the up-to-date information and how to get behind the cause. I'll end with a quote from the great man, Nelson Mandela. I dream of an Africa which is in peace with itself. I dream of the realisation of the unity of Africa, whereby its leaders combine in their efforts to solve the problems of this continent. I dream of our vast deserts, our forests, of all our great wilderness, we must never forget that it is our duty to protect this environment. 
Cheers, boys. Love the show. Keep up the great work. The Mojo Radio Show. Look, the big thing here I want to say too, Gary, you know, is that the, the power of the critic, the, the internal critic in our head, often gets a bad rap. People tend to think, oh, you know, the critical self, you know, it's a bully, it's this, it's that, you know, and uh, it'll ruin your life if you let it. Well, it will, but this critic, I don't believe, sits in our head thinking, how can I ruin your life if you let me? It's, it's a, a part of us that's come on board to try and keep us safe, and it mm. will go to extremes to do so. It has no balance, concept of balance. It has no concept of how to go with the flow. It's all or nothing. And so we have to be willing, we have to say, I'm willing to be willing to find the support I need. And rather than focus on letting this critic run our lives, just make friends with it. Go, look, I know you're trying to help me and you've done a fantastic job. I'm not trying to put you out of a job, but I need more. And, you know, if you're listening to this show right here and now and you haven't already decided this isn't what you want to hear, and I can tell you, you do need more and you're entitled to it. With, with this... Um I like, that, I like that term, internal critic. Do you have a thought on how social media is affecting our neurological senses or and or, and mm. or our feelings? Like, do you have a do you have a, a sort of thought on that? Oh, absolutely. Look, I I think social media has its place, and I think it's trying to find its place. And mm. I don't feel for one minute I'm equipped to decide on what that should look like. Okay, and I and I think let's be for you know, it being the best it can be for us rather than, you know, jumping to conclusions about how it's going to ruin people's lives and what have you. You know, people were fearful about the radio and the television Mm. when it first Mm. came about. Um, But one of the things that I'm seeing over and over, Gary, is that um, people are being manipulated by social media where they're becoming dense. Now, I'm not talking thick because that sounds derogatory. I'm talking dense where it's like they're being numbed out. Yeah. They're absolutely numbed out. It's taking me longer and I'm using more skill to help people connect when a few years ago it was much easier to do so. And I do see a link between the overuse of social media because social media becomes the external critic that can marry up with the internal critic to control a person even more powerfully. And I'm not blaming social media as being it only is an external critic. I'm saying that people are giving it power to be so. And then it's marrying up with the internal critic and now this person's totally dominated about who likes me and who doesn't and what I should be connected to and, you know, terrified of of, um, something happening that they're not aware of or they're not being involved with or we're giving you far too much power. For the, for the wrong reason. It's a very good point, Jackie. In fact, I heard a, uh, a guy interviewed us recently and he um, he was challenged by his mate to take Facebook, Twitter and email off his phone because mm. he found he almost felt a responsibility, number one, to keep checking and doing stuff online for his audience. But number two is he felt as though he was missing out on something and he was challenged to go 30 days cold turkey with it not being on their phone because journalists were we use it to check everything. So I think it's great in terms of content and for communication and for the right means. Oh, it's, yeah. it's terrific. Yeah. However, it's the other part of it where it starts, I think the word use was dominate. That's uh, that's where the concern is, isn't it? Yes, totally. And also too, because it's so accessible. See, when people say to me, but I'm frightened I'll miss out on something, I go, you will. You'll miss out on whatever it is that you're not aware is happening because you're not connected. Yeah. Where did you ever learn that you have to be connected to everything and anything 24-7? That's delusional.
Mm. You know, and, and, and it's not healthy. And I say, so, you know, so you, you're, you're like an out-of-control child at a buffet and you want to blame the people who put on the buffet. Mm. But the reality is you can't eat it all, but you want it all. Oh, I've got a plastic bag here. Can I fill that up as well? No, it, it, it's like you are going to miss out if you're not connected, and that's okay. What's that about? And to me, people aren't building enough of their connection to themselves and then wondering why they're feeling at the mercy of external connections. This is amazing, Jackie. I mean, you're very, very good because you have picked Robbo down the line. You have got <laughs> Robbo Peg with the buffet and the plastic bag. <laughs> as soon as you mentioned the word food, I switched on. <laughs> Welcome welcome back to the panel, mate. (laughs) The reason I do that, right, is because I came from a background where, you know, like uh, people were like quite, you know, lower socioeconomic group. And and while my family, you know, um, weren't so poor, I was in a neighbourhood that was quite poor. And and coming like from the Irish connection from, you know, generations down from the potato famine, as a kid, I can remember... Whenever I went anywhere, I always used to worry about, you know, um, where were they going to take all the food if we didn't eat it? (laughs) And then years later, Mm. when I uh, started to get some really good speaking assignments and I was speaking in different countries and they'd have incredible smorgasbords, I used to find myself thinking, should I take a muffin for later? How will I get a muffin? Just wrap it up, put it in the bag. Where will I get stuck in the lift? And it's just the way the mind handles feelings that aren't being expressed. My um, my dad's mum used to, she lived, her husband died when I was really young and she lived alone for a lot of years. And um, her favourite thing of a Tuesday was to go to the bingo game down at the local RSL. Mm. She'd always come home with a handbag full of, um, you know, spring rolls and sausage rolls wrapped up in napkins and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And that would be her dinner. (laughs) Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. And, you know, like, that's where you get it from, mate. That's where you get it from. Sorry, what was that, John? Yeah, but you raise, you raise a really good point there, Robert. Um, what is it that we allow ourselves to do without judging? You know, it's like I say, the, the other thing that, I, that I'm seeing a lot of today is people presume in order to look like they've got confidence, competence and courage, they need to be needless and wantless. Mm. Oh, big mistake, let me tell you. Yeah. Because there's a huge difference between being needy and needing. Mm. And if I don't know how to need appropriately, I'll become a needy wreck. But what tends to happen is I suppress that because, oh, that's not fitting with my self-image. And then isn't it interesting how psychodynamically that comes out and everyone else around me, and now I'm surrounded by needy wrecks who are driving me nuts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, or, or I'm around people who say things like, you know, men and women come to me sometimes and, about their partners and say, you know, I don't feel like I make any difference in their lives at all. They don't need anybody. Mm. I, I just don't feel like I have a place anymore. They won't let me love them. Mm. And so it's really important to uh, meet your needs. If I wanted to take a muffin now, I wouldn't be trying to hide taking a muffin. I'd just take a muffin. But it's interesting, like, when you do meet your needs more healthily, you don't need all those maladaptive or, you know, um, unconscious kind of behaviours. You're more, this is who I am, this is what I want, this is what I'll give, and Mm. this is what I'll take. How much should we let? Other people in, in, in our lives affect our own lives. Like, and when I talk about other people, like the people close to us, I mean, my, to take my, another grandmother example, my, my maternal grandmother had a husband who, you know, the classic working class man drank the paycheck, um, you know, came home and, you know, was abusive to the family, not physically, but mentally and all that sort of stuff. And when he died, mm. my grandmother always said that that's when her life started. But 
there was all I could always tell that there was still a sadness that he'd passed and that he'd gone and all that sort of stuff, even though there was this mental facade that, you know, my life's now begun now that he's gone. Mm. She obviously still loved the man and had had some affection for him even through all yeah. that. And we see this daily even now with, you know, um, um, abuse in marriage and all that sort of stuff. I mean, there's there's an obvious time that it becomes unhealthy, but is there a healthy time to be accepting of maybe some of our, our partner's, you know, obvious failings? Absolutely. I mean, you know, um, I, I, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a good hour talking, just answering that, but what, mm. I, what I would say is that your grandmother sounds really wise. Mm. She sounds very wise from this point of view. She appears to me that she knew that what he had was bigger than what he could give. Mm. And that was his alcoholism. Mm. And alcoholism, if you look at the word alcoholism and you put brackets around the last three letters, ISM, the alcohol is in the bottle, but the ISM, the ism, is often in the person making them irritable, restless yep. and discontent. So these are people who are very disconnected from themselves to begin with. And then you add alcohol and it wreaks havoc. But I, I see people who are able to understand um, that sometimes, you know, bad things happen to good people and it's not about being okay about abuse. It's more about knowing, are we bigger than this? Can we get through this? Knowing also, though, that one person can't do the work for two in any relationship and that ultimately, you know, you might need to cut your partner a bit of slack sometimes. But if you believe that there are behaviours that are working, actively working against the values that you hold and that they said they hold, then that's when I think you, you have to say, okay, what's going to go on from here? And the other thing I teach when I teach people assertiveness is the first thing about being assertive is learning how to be assertive with yourself. So, for example, I used to think years ago that if I got inside, I had to deal with it and work with it and just go with it mm. instead of, well, I can have insight and then decide what I do with that. Mm. A lot of people are fearful of really knowing the truth because they think it means they've got to leave the person or they've got to read them the right act and the reading the right act never works. But I think in today's fast-paced world, we're seeing people uh, using, you know, coping mechanisms and behaviour defences much more uh, readily than what they may have used them years ago because they're efforting so much. And so I think the TLC for me is tough, loving conversations. If you cannot have a tough, loving conversation with yourself, you're unlikely to be able to have it with another. Mm. And if you can have it with yourself, then you can have a tough, loving conversation that has the power of gentleness attached to it with another. And then things seem to start to make sense of themselves. Mm. Jackie, let's just, just on that relationship, thing. I, I know in the last month I've had three friends of mine uh, have all gone through separations and I've asked them the question, is this something that you could see coming back together again? Mm. And pretty much all of them have said, look, it's broken. Um, he or she's checked out and so on. What is the breaking point and, and what can we do before that breaking point? Is there a breaking point that is just not reconcilable? And what's something we can do to recognise that point is coming and perhaps do something to ensure it doesn't break completely but can be put back together again? Yeah, look, you know, for me, I, I don't think any relationship is ever truly um, broken in terms of it can never be fixed. 
it depends what getting it fixed is going to look like. Again, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as to what love is and how love should be in our lives. And I think what happens is when people say to me, Gary, um, I'm done, I I can't go back, I'm empty, there's nothing left there. Often to get to that point, and I don't say this in any way um, to be judgmental, I've been there myself. Often to get to that point, you've had to disconnect from yourself before you could disconnect from them. So what happened there? Because it was said to me 25 years ago, the best time to leave anybody is when you can hold them in warm, positive regard. And I said, well, what's the bloody hell would I want to leave them if I can hold them in warm, positive regard? I'm thinking, like, this isn't making any sense. I was enraged. This very wise person said to me, because if you actually feel that you hate someone or you feel like you're totally done and numb around them, then you're still connected in a way that means you need to do your work. And if it's a case of, well, I have warm, positive regard for this person, but I'm not in love with them, or I don't want to um, spend my life with them, then that's really a much more connected way to approach the situation. Now, that said, if you're in a relationship with someone and they're totally acting out, whether that's through, um, you know, drug abuse or alcoholism or workaholism or whatever, then that's going to be a different story. But ultimately, what I say to people is, well, can we say goodbye to that relationship and we can, can we look at where to from here? And it's amazing how many people don't want to do that. They say, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I, I'm done. I don't need to go over it anymore. I really believe that if that's how you really feel, there could be a strong possibility that you really do. Otherwise, you tend to take the unfinished from one into the new and try and finish it off there. Freud says we act out what we can't work out. And often when we get to that I'm done, I'm numb, that that's a last resort. It's not actually the opening of a new beginning. I was interested by a phrase you used in there, um, Jackie, workaholism. And I'm interested, mm. do you think that sometimes fixing a relationship while important to us, sometimes that f- takes second place to other things in our life and that's why it gets put into the too hard basket? Very good question. You know one of the things that I see a correlation with? Yeah. Um, People who don't know how to connect their head to their heart become needy and then it becomes a competition. Mm. And sometimes in relationships what happens is, and I did this myself in my younger years before I became enlightened. (laughs) 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 Not that you're not still young, man. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I'm still young. It's last week actually. (laughs) (laughs) But on a serious note, I I had no no idea how. I didn't know what made me happy. I didn't know what I really needed. Mm. And because I felt anxious and disconnected, and I didn't even know I felt anxious and disconnected, I couldn't put words to it. I would then um, test the people around me. Mm. If you loved me, you would. If you cared, you would. If Mm. I mattered, I'd see this and so on. And then how a lot of men, and I'm generalizing here, handle that kind of pressure is they go to somewhere that they feel they can make a difference and they can measure a result. Mm. And how women tend to do... um, handle that is become busier and busier and then if we're not careful the more men shut down the more women feel they have to open up so women start to do the feelings for two and men do the um connect for both 
And and so I, I think workaholism is a way where really we, we can get immediate feedback if we enjoy what we're doing at work that tells us, yeah, I've got it, I'm successful, I'm connecting. It's often where we find our flow. Um, in a relationship, it's so important to know how to meet your own needs and, and know how to hold your own hand before you can actually reach out and take someone else's. And there's, there's no easy way around that. We have to grow up and not grow up in a derogatory way, but grow up. We need to become emotionally mature. We need to know how to back ourselves. Mm. We need to be able to say, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is what I'll give. And this is what I'll take. And then we also need to know what we won't take. Mm. And that's when we have that sense of peace that we're looking for. We're a complicated bunch, aren't we? We are. I love what Billy Connolly says. He says, um, men need to have sex to feel loved and women need to feel loved to have sex. And he goes, we're screwed from the very beginning. Exactly. (laughs) And I can't tell you how many times men go looking for sex and find love and women go looking for love and find, you know, um, sex. And um, again, you know, the Mm. fundamental Mm. differences between men and women, and I'm more than happy to discuss that in another in another yeah. interview with you. But what I would say, and I say all the time is, yeah. men and women look for the similarities, and that is we all want to know that someone else thinks we're special. And yeah. look for the similarities. We all want to be loved. We all want to belong. We all want to care for our children if we've decided to have children. And, you know, we, we can go all day looking for what's different about mm. us, but at the end of the day... We're human beings trying to make meaning in the world and trying to find a sense of peace and purpose. Jackie, I think we'll um, we'll come back and do a whole show on the, um, the sort of the bedroom part. Yes. Because um, yeah. I think the stuff you're talking about is just brilliant and I, I don't know that I have read or seen many podcasts that could do that part of it as well as you could. So I think... That's a whole topic, and I know you've got a busy day in front of you, so I just want to—I don't want to hold you up. I've got a couple of just quick things to ask you, um, Robbo. Jackie and I have done many trips overseas together—not together, together, but working together. Jackie sounds like a smart woman, Gary. I don't think that was ever an issue. <laughs> I don't think you needed to clean that up. <laughs> I beg, I beg, Robbo. I beg, honestly. <laughs> uh, we've had lots of lots of long uh, breakfasts and dinners together, talking, um, as you can imagine, but. Jackie, if you're sitting one-on-one across from somebody, what's the first thing that you would want to know or you would ask of that person to start this process? Tell me what stands in the way of you knowing you more, being at peace and fulfilling your purpose. And that might come out in different ways, Gary, So, but that will be the essence of it. That will be the essence of it. So for some people that could be too confronting and too deep, I might say something like, so if you had a wand and you could use it, where would you use it and on whom or what? Or I might say something like, um, if there was one person you could change, who would that be? And this really tough guy said to me once, it would be myself because I'm a prat. And I said, oh. I said, well, that's, is that insight that you've come to or is it insight other people have decided to give you? And he said, no. Nah. He said, I knew when I was seven I was different and I'd just never been able to make people happy. And I said, well, why was it ever your job? And he said, well, I had a mother. He said that was unhappy. He said, I have five sisters and they weren't so happy. I've got a wife who's unhappy and I've got three daughters. And I said, still, why is it your job? And he said, because I can't stand to see people sad. 
And I said, well, what about you? Are you sad? And he said, yeah, but that's different for men, isn't it? Like, you just, we can handle that. I said, so how do you handle it? And he said, I'm going around in circles, aren't I? I don't know how to make me happy and I don't want to be sad anymore. So, you know, sometimes it's like you just stay with the person until they get to where they want to be. But what I say to people is, at the end of this one-on-one, when you walk out of here, your value as a human being won't be any greater because your value as a human being isn't in question, nor should it ever be. What I want to know is that you walk out of here somewhat closer to yourself. Because if I can achieve that, if I can support you to achieve that, then I know that you're starting your own journey that's going to make the biggest difference. And, And it does. But but the other thing I will say to people when I'm running workshops, in today's world, there's so many huge, huge opportunities. You need to get clear. What do you want? And then drill down. What do you really want? And then what are you prepared to pay for what you really want? And I'm not talking money necessarily. I'm talking what are you prepared to do more of, less of, move towards, move away from, confront, let go. But what are you prepared to pay for? Because in life... Nothing is free. Um, a couple of quick things, Jackie. Is there a book you would recommend to somebody listening? You mentioned before about Lifeline. You said there were many good books about getting in touch with your feelings. Can you think of a book that comes to mind that you would highly recommend somebody get a hold of to start this journey? Yes, I love Susan Jeffers, who sadly passed away last year. She has a wonderful book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And it's all about connecting your head to your heart. Feel the fear and do it anyway. And there's also a wonderful guy in Perth. I can't think of his name now, but if you Google Susan Jeffers, J-E-F-F-E-R-S, um, he's, he's um, trained to run her workshops. And I've uh, recommended them to a couple of clients. who have actually gone to Perth to do them. And they, uh, they're fantastic. Yeah, they're fantastic. For anybody who wants to get in touch, Jackie, because the people who will want to talk to you and anybody who's listening who has found this um, of help in their own personal lives, I can highly recommend Jackie's work. We've done loads of stuff together and she's absolutely fantastic. Where, where can we get a hold of you? Look, they could go to my website, JackieFury.com, and there's contact details on there. Um, best to ring me on the mobile, though, 0414-995-330, or send me an email to Jackie at JackieFury. And there's the E in Fury. I put the E in there for empathy, you know, because it just sounded a bit partialized. Yeah. Ah, see, I thought it was in there for for excellent. (laughs) Extravagant. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take it. Look, I'll take anything. Yeah. Jackie, we will put a link, we'll put your numbers and the link to. Uh, your email address, your website, and your telephone number in mm. our show notes so people can go to the mojo radio show.com. Uh, check it out. Jackie, thank you again. And we will, we'd love to have you back if you're, if you're happy to come back. Yeah, I don't think she has any choice. I think she has to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. That's it. Be assertive. That's right. Needs See, I learned something. <laughs> yeah, great. Thanks, Jackie. <laughs> Take it easy, Jack. Thanks a lot. All right. See you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. The Mojo Radio Show. So between Sylvia and now Jackie, I think I need to go back and have another listen through those interviews and get my brain up to it's speed. It's a lot in it, isn't it? Some good stuff. There is. Very, yeah. very good stuff. Some really smart people we're uh, interviewing. I think the IQ level and the EQ level of our show has actually skyrocketed <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I think we might be getting in over our heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't, don't think there's much worry about doing that. So um, well, that's been great, mate. Uh, do you have anything else before we close? 
couple of housekeeping things. Get the, broom. Um, get the broom out, buddy. Yeah, I'll get the broom. Hang on. So uh, Rick Price's new album is actually out this week. Sweet. Um, and it's no secret that we're giving away copies. Yep. Uh, what do they need to do, Go Mr. Burt? to iTunes, where you mm-hmm. probably have downloaded the show from. Mm-hmm. Go to ratings and reviews and write a couple of lines in there about the show. So the good, the bad, the ugly, we can take it. Give us a review and we will get back to you with an album. That's and right. it's a really, really good album because we've been listening to it in the studio. And I've got to say, we interviewed mm-hmm. Rick on the show. He talked about it, but I must say it's really exceeded my expectations. I think it's a cracker. No more tears to cry, kiss the world goodbye. Take my final breath and I'll be gone, gone, gone. To my home under the sky, I will spread my wings and fly. Yeah, it's a brilliant album. You can really hear the Nashville influence too. Not that it's it's not a country album, but there's a a real earthy, there's a bit of gospel, there's a little bit of intro, it's rhythm, it's art, it's it's very good. Very clever. Mm. Very clever indeed. So um, so make sure you do that. And also, just to finish a grumpy audio engineer on a happy note, I've got a really nice story. Mm. A uh, a deaf and blind mum in the States has been surprised with a printed 3D bust of her daughter unborn oh. daughter so um so basically this this lady's deaf and blind and she's also pregnant and doctors took a 3d ultrasound of her baby in the womb which obviously she couldn't see so what they did was they actually loaded that into a 3d printer and printed off a head and shoulders wow. of her unborn daughter so she could actually touch and feel it how awesome wow, is that that's, uh, it's so nice to have happy positive stories in the media it's, it's a cracker isn't it? Especially when, you know, all we hear about 3D printers is all the bad stuff about you yeah. know, people printing guns and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's lovely to see that sometimes that this technology can get used for really, really good purposes. Yep, good story. Spot well on, mate. That's a beauty. Indeed. I reckon that's us We're for out. another week. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time. <laughs>